Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for the 14th of January, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Boy, memories. Making memories. That game last night against the Winnipeg Jets, that just may be the signature win of the season thus far. What an unbelievable effort on a back-to-back where they played on Friday. Winnipeg was, their last game was Thursday against Chicago at home. So they were laying in wait. Flyers got in about 2.30 in the morning on Saturday a.m. to play that game without Sean Couturier. And as we know, Couturier, even if he doesn't end up on the score sheet in a game, the little things that he does to help you win games, I mean, face-offs, little just detailed plays, and just keeping the opposition's top line in check, providing offense, providing great structure and leadership, all those things. He's out of the lineup. He's dealing with a minor injury, so he's held out of the game. Jamie Drysdale, uh, what would have been his third game as a flyer, ends up with an illness. There's been an illness that went through the team, and they go through hockey teams like a wildfire. So his turn now, he has to miss the game. So the Flyers dress 11-7 and seven again. Bobby Brink draws back in, and Mark Stahl draws back in, 11-7. and seven. So short forward bench, little extended D bench, on a back-to-back. And they go into Winnipeg, and they face the hottest team in the NHL. They were 16-1-2 and two in their last 19 games. The best team in the NHL, they had the highest points percentage in the league. The stingiest team in the NHL, they give up the least amount of goals. And they were missing, in all fairness, they were missing Mark Shifley, their only point-per-game player, and Kyle Connor, probably their best scorer. And the Flyers go in there, and they get a win. Behind Cam and Sam, Cam Atkinson ends his 26-game goal drought with not one but two, an even-strength goal, and then a power play goal, both from the same spot. I say it all the time. You want to score goals? Go to where they're scored. Go right to the front of the net. That's where the goals are scored. That's where the majority of them are scored in hockey, in the NHL. Cam Atkinson finally gets rewarded for going there, and you could see the relief in his face and his body when he got that goal at 1447 of the first period. He's just camped out there. A bit of a broken play. It ends up on a stick. He slides it under Hellebuck, gets the Flyers up one nothing. Who knew at that time? I mean, geez, who knew at that time that that would end up being the game-winning goal? His ninth of the season, and like I said, first in 26 games. Farabee picks up an assist. Ryan Paling picks up an assist. That puts the Flyers up one nothing. They head to the second period. They get the only goal of the second period at 2.52. It's a power play goal. Cam Atkinson is parked out front. And the Flyers, because they're moving, they're in motion on the power play, it makes them harder to cover guys. And there's a bit of a mix-up with the Winnipeg coverage. And Cam Atkinson ends up right in front of Connor Hellebuck all by himself. Shot comes in, rebound. Atkinson just puts it right into the net. Puts the Flyers up 2-0. Morgan Frost, his, I think, fourth point in his last five games, again on the power play. And Cam York pick up an assist. And that puts the Flyers up 2-0. And now the power play. All of a sudden, the power play, of all things, 
has scored power play goals in each of their last five games. What the heck is going on? It is bananas. If they can get that, keep that power play going, they're going to be a really dangerous team here in the second half. They're a dangerous team now. They were a dangerous team before the power play, when the power play was abysmal. It started to look a little bit better on that Western Canadian trip. It wasn't scoring, and that's ultimately how you measure a power play. But you were starting to see better, you know, better execution, more quality chances, more of a plan. Guys not standing still, guys in motion. And it started to look better. Now in the last five games, it has been a huge element because they've gotten a goal in each of the last five games. And that's a big goal to make it 2 nothing. Yeah, I know that the Winnipeg doesn't score anything, so you can go, ah, it doesn't matter. No, but the mental part of being up 2 nothing in that game I think is huge. Go into that third period, one nothing, and it's a situation where you're playing again on that razor's edge. All of these tight games, it's been bananas how many tight games they have, one-goal games. I mean, the Flyers, over their, since that December, I think December 2nd, over that same period of time that Winnipeg went 16-1-2, the Flyers uh, had a record of like, I think it was 14-4-2, something like that. But they were barely outscoring their opposition, only plus four in goals four versus goals allowed over that stretch. But that's a hard way to play a game in and game out. And this game was tight till the end. Unbelievable performance uh, by the team and a really gutty effort. Now let's get to the goaltending. Sam Erson, unbelievable performance. He makes 36 sa- or 35 saves on 35 shots. In the third period, he's got to make several big ones. And, and I think one of the things that Sam did really well in this game, when your team is on a back-to-back and the opposition is not, you're running 11-7, and seven, you, for the goaltender, rebound control is paramount. It is huge. Also, getting stoppages of play, it's huge. Your team doesn't have the same tank of energy that the opposition has. So being able to make saves, absorb pucks, and get whistles is huge because you don't want your team getting caught out there on dead legs in the D zone. That's just going to make his job harder. And I thought he ate pucks all night. Glove saves. Just one and done. No second chance opportunities. And when there was the random second chance opportunity, Erson came up with the save. He was spectacular in the game. That's his third shutout this season, fourth of his career. And he just continues to put good performance after good performance. I mean, when you look at his season right now, if we take out the first three games of the season, he lost the first game he played against Dallas. I think it was 19 days from the last preseason game he played to the first regular season game. That's a long time, especially for a guy that's in a backup role for the first time in his NHL career. In that game, he gives up five goals on 25 uh, on thir- or 25 shots. 800 save percentage. That's a killer. Then the second game he plays, he gives up seven goals on 25 shots. That's a 720 save percentage. Third game is the Buffalo game, the 5-2 loss, and he ended up giving up uh he gave up two goals in that game on nine shots. He came in in relief. 
since then, how about this? 16 games for Sam Harrison, a record of 11-3-2. That is stunning. He's only allowed 30 goals over that time. So that's less than two goals per game. And his save percentage is north of 928. And he's got three shutouts. That is amazing. When your team knows that no matter who the goalie is, back-to-back, doesn't matter. Carter Hart got the front end, played well. Sam Harrison's getting the back end of the back-to-back. And when the team in front of you knows that you're going to get a quality goaltending performance, I think that goes so far. He was unbelievable in the game. I know some people want to start. I got some tweets and people want to start going, oh, if the playoffs started today, who would be the starter? Goalie controversy. It's like a quarterback controversy. There's no controversy. There's no reason to even really discuss these things right now because it's not like Sam Erickson's playing great and Carter Hart's playing like kaboots. He's playing well. They're both playing great. And maybe part of that is competition between the two goaltenders. There's nothing wrong with that. Driving the your partner, your goalie tandem partner, to keep playing well because you're playing well. All right, he played well. I got to play well. And, and you're doing it all for the team. I don't think there's anything wrong. I think that's healthy, and that's great. And I think both of them have obviously handled it extremely well. Carter's the starter. But Sam Harrison has come in, and what he has given this team – I think is every bit as important as every player on the team. Because a lot of times the backup goalie does not get the best situations, like the second of a back-to-back when the opposition is not on a back-to-back. That's not an ideal situation, but you can't do anything about it. That's the opportunity you get and you make the most of it, and he's done that. And, and the two points the Flyers get last night against Winnipeg are enormous, and here's why. It was a rather busy night in the NHL. So Friday night's game, they get that win. They pick up two points. None of the teams in the division are in action. There's only two games across the entire NHL on Friday night. Flyers grab two points, and nobody else gets anything. But Saturday, that's a different story because Saturday night's hockey night, and it's a very busy night around the NHL, and there's a lot of teams that they're battling with for playoff position in the Metropolitan Division in the, in the Eastern Conference that are in action. So you got to keep up, and you're, you got a, a very tough schedule situation against the best team in the league, all the things we talked about, and you go out and you find those two points. You get those two points. Because here's the deal. The Capitals beat the division-leading Rangers 3-2, to two, so the Caps grab two points. Let's go down a little further. The Devils, they go into Florida and beat the Panthers 4-1. to one. The Devils are chasing the Florida. They got two points. Let's go down a little further. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins... They're in action against another division team in the Carolina Hurricanes. And, of course, this game, you know, two Metro teams battling it out. It goes to overtime. And eventually, it's the Canes who get the two points and the Pittsburgh Penguins who get one in the overtime loss. Uh, Blue Jackets were in action, but that doesn't matter. They're at the way at the bottom. So all these teams are in action. One more. The Predators ended up beating the Islanders down in Nashville 3-1. to So... Some of those teams picked up points. Some of those teams didn't. Pittsburgh picked up a point in an overtime loss, but you got the two points. You controlled what you can control. And here's how the division stands right now on the 14th of January, 2024. The Flyers now, uh, obviously in a playoff position, and Chris Terrian said something 
on pregame yesterday, which I'll tell you about in a second because I think it's really important. The Flyers right now through 43 games, a record of 23-14-6, and 52 points, plus 8 in goal differential, 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. They've won three straight, and they are now sitting just one point back at Carolina. Carolina's got a game in hand. They're only two points back. This is crazy. They're two points back of the New York Rangers. Rangers have two games in hand. Rangers have 54. Carolina's got 53. Flyers have 52. But because the Islanders didn't get any points in Nashville, they're now four games back with one game in hand. The New Jersey Devils, they picked up the two points in Florida. Uh, They are sitting five points back of the Flyers, but they have three games in hand. The Caps got two points tonight. They are sitting now six points back of the Flyers with a couple of games in hand. And Pittsburgh, by getting that one point, tied with the Caps with 46 points through 41 games. So the Flyers in a good position because they're collecting points. And even in spots, like against Winnipeg, where you look at it and you go, this is a tough schedule spot. You don't have Couturier. You don't have Jamie Drysdale. Back-to-back, they, they've been at home waiting for you for a couple of days. They're on a homestand. You just got in to, to Winnipeg 2.33 a.m. the night before because you had a game. So Flyers go in, and they get it done, and they just find a way to get the two points. And I, I don't even know what I would say the identity of this team is because I think it's a lot of things, but they just are resilient. They seem to not care about the situation and the position that they're in. They can't control that, so they just go out and control what they can control. And as John Tortorella says, go about our business and find a way to win games. I know Torts was not going to let them use the fact that Couturier and Drysdale were out and they were on a back-to-back and Winnipeg wasn't as an excuse. Every team goes through this in the NHL. That's just the way it is. You've got to find a way to win some of those games. And they did it against the hottest team and the best team in the National Hockey League. It is a signature win for the Flyers. A huge win for this team. And they just keep it going. It's unbelievable. Sam Harrison, what a performance by him in this hockey game. Flyers will be back in action coming up on Monday. Tomorrow night they'll take on the St. Louis Blues, wrap up this little three-game road trip. Then they're going to come home for four. Got some tough tough teams coming in. Dallas coming in uh, on Thursday. Uh, Next Saturday, matinee hockey with the Colorado Avalanche as Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr come to town. Then we'll see Claude Giroux and the Ottawa Senators at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Back-to-back matinees, that's a rarity, both at home. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning on the 23rd to wrap up the four-game homestand. Uh, But but what I wanted to kind of touch on here as well is, you know, where the Flyers are right now. I know everybody is really enjoying the season, and it's so great to see. And I see all the people that comment on YouTube. I, I went through and read through a ton of YouTube comments from the the daily postings that we do here for Flyers Daily. And I, I can feel like the positivity rolling and people really getting encaps like this team is capturing people. And as Chris Terry and I talked about in pregame, it's like a healing is happening with the fan base and the organization and, and, and everybody. And it is a lot of fun, and this team is very likable. They play their butts off. They play hard. They go out and give you an honest effort, game in and game out. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about what this all means. 
you know, as I get older, I, I always start to think about all these, well, what does that mean? What does this mean? When I was younger, I didn't think about any of that stuff. But what is the success that they've had so far this season? What does it say? And what does it mean? What can it mean? And here's what I think. I really thought a lot about this. You know, first of all, the success comes from a couple of really key elements. They're, they're like pillars to me. Number one, Torch calls it the standard, you know, being a pro, playing an honest game. That's the first thing. That's that's big part of the success this year is because they play to a high standard. They play as pros. They take being a pro very seriously. And that is huge because there are a lot of young guys on this roster. And when you can teach them to be a pro and to hold yourself to a high level, a high standard of accountability and self-accountability, that to me is one of the most important things in development of a player. You can you can be wherever, get drafted somewhere and play wherever, and if they're not teaching young players there that winning matters, that accountability and self-accountability are insanely important, and that being a pro and having a high standard of play for yourself, pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone, if they're not doing that and you're in those developmental years, that can really hinder a player's overall career. So there's a lot of young guys. There's guys at varying ages, whether that's the really young guys, guys like Cam York or Tyson Forster, Bobby Brink, or that's guys, you know, a a notch up in age, like Joel Farabee or Owen Tippett or Morgan Frost, or then another step up to guys like Travis Sanheim, uh, Travis Konechny, all the way up through the veterans, Sean Couturier, uh, Cam Ack, all those guys. If everybody is doing that, that is a huge element that benefits this team now, which we see in the standings, and down the line. Not not just down the line this season, I mean down the line next season and many seasons. That is a huge pillar. That's one of the things and one of the reasons for the success, and that's one of the the greatest elements that have come from this season so far. Coupled with the development of young players. When you look at the game last night, again, they played 70. I know Cam York doesn't like it. I wouldn't like it if I was a defenseman either. It feels a little disjointed. Uh, It's what they're having to do right now, but um, it's a numbers game. But you see guys like Cam York played on the top pair all season pretty much with Travis Sanheim. And he's a young player. And he is has looked never overwhelmed this year. You look at Tippett, now got 15 goals. You look at some of these young guys and the way that they're developing. I know a lot of people, when Danny Briere took over, really wanted to pin him down on a timeline. How long is your, because they acknowledged rebuild, how long is the rebuild going to take? And they want, you know, is it going to take two years? Can take five years? Going to take whatever, whatever number you pluck out of the sky. And Danny Briere was smart enough to know not to attach a number to it. And he said, and I agree with him, 
that the players will decide that. He couldn't give you a, a length of time because ultimately the players will decide that. Some rebuilds are faster than others, like the Rangers. I don't know if that was a full-blown rebuild, but you know some teams go through rebuilds much quicker. Some teams see, seem like they're in constant rebuild, like the Sabres or the Senators and others. But that'll be determined by the players, and that gets determined by young players learning how to be pros, playing hard, coupled with all the other age ranges, and developing their game and their skills. Like Joel Farabee. I mean, he's having an unbelievable year. And he is a key piece of this team going forward. So what does the success mean? It means that a lot of areas with this franchise, with the team, the players, the coaches, the development, Lehigh, Ian LaPerriere, and... All the different, Riley Armstrong and his development staff and Brad Shaw and John Tortorella and all the coaches. It means that they're being very effective in the task at hand. And that is good for now. And it's been fun. And it'll continue to be fun. And that's really good for the long term. I don't think that, look, the team is not going to change. They're in a rebuild. They're not going to start just buying assets and going crazy. This isn't years past. Damn, this team goes into Winnipeg and wins that game. Now you got to wrap up the road trip in style. Coming up Monday, when they go to St. Louis, see Kevin Hayes, and the Flyers will take on the St. Louis Blues to wrap up this three-game jump. All right, let's put a wrap on it. Tomorrow, we'll preview Flyers-Blues, and it'll be a Monday. So you know what that means. That's a Monday with Meltzer. So everybody, enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the win. Enjoy this season. This is This is fun. I know you guys are enjoying it. And keep those comments coming on the YouTube channel as well. i, I got to get in there and, and reply to some. So I will do that. I promise. That's uh, my New Year's resolution. And uh, you can keep those comments coming uh, on social media as well, at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T on Twitter. We're going to get to some of those coming up this week. Uh, we've got a lot uh, archived that I want to get good conversation pieces. So everybody, enjoy your Sunday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Daily.